0: Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, your weekly roundup of the best action and biggest talking points in bailiwick sport. Coming up today, we'll hear from Guernsey's latest Olympian, Uh, Cam Chalmers, tells us all about his experience in Tokyo and why he thinks there's
1: more to come. You know, when you're actually, you know, sprinting down the back straight, you know, a metre or closer to these other athletes who are the best in the world, you, you know, you really get a sense of, um, you know, how high um, the standard really is. And, um, you know, I obviously want to be a part of that. And it does. Yeah, like you say, mate, you want to go to as many of these championships as you possibly can in the short time frame, you know, as an athlete at that level. Plus
0: we'll reflect on the latest in the seemingly never-ending COVID travel saga and where our island teams stand with off-island seasons fast approaching and as ever we'll bring you our picks of the local sporting week I'm Tony Kerr alongside me today I've got Rob Batiste. hi and Gareth the Prevost hiya Tony well let's start chaps with those moments of the week uh,
2: Gareth what's been the standout for you this week well, I was sort of hoping it was going to be the Lancrest Open, but considering the, the weather last Saturday was not conducive to any sort of decent sport generally. Um, unfortunately, that got called off. But the, the very next day, um, the golf conditions obviously improved significantly because we had two juniors break uh, the course records at Grand Mar. Uh, Ollie Chedham uh, shot a two under par gross uh, 63 to break the men's record. And young Chloe Godion, um, a 67 level par off the women's tees. Just an amazing achievement for two of our sort of up and coming young golfers to to break proper records um on the same day. Yeah, that is seriously impressive and it's
0: been a pretty big week for junior golf, hasn't it? You know, the tournaments at St. Pierre Park and um the Royal as well. Uh, it does seem to be all going in a very nice direction. Yeah, no,
2: it's great and I think they're all sort of there's a good group of um juniors now and they just all seem to keep pushing each other on. I mean, obviously Ollie is now sort of like the lowest handicap golfer on Guernsey. That's not just juniors, that's every golfer. Um, But we've also got sort of young Rory McKenna, who won um, the Scratch Prize in the Junior Open this week. Uh, Lewis Marley, who's who's one of the sons of uh, Mick, former Ireland champion. He won the Junior Open. Um, Chloe Domar shot the joint lowest net round in the Ladies Club Championship this week. So it's just really great um, stuff going on in the junior golf golf fraternity uh, in Guernsey. And yeah, um, the future does look very bright there. and to be honest, all these youngsters, I think Rory and Ollie have still got two years left in the, in the juniors. And, and they're sort of like the oldest two out of a lot of them. So it, it's, um, there's a lot of very good signs coming up there.
0: There'll be a few people looking over their shoulders, I'm sure. Uh, Rob, what's your highlight of the week? Well, it's returning to football.
3: <laughs> 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 after uh, a, after, after, after yeah. a wonderful break of about four weeks we're back at the track this week for the Rawlinson Cup semi-finals strange games, um, the track is an odd place to be at at the moment it's without a roof on its stand and first basically apart from the front row of the stand nobody can utilise it at all and it really is weird there's a very strange backdrop, very eerie and um I can't wait for the roof to return to be honest it just it doesn't seem right um, um, whereabouts where, where, where the whereabouts of the roof is I'm not quite sure Hilary Sarr tells me it's in England whether that means it's stuck in the post like the Jeremy Cup <laughs> I'm not quite sure um, it's a rather big, bigger piece of tin this one but um, that's going to go on there but um, no they're still very hopeful that it will be in place for the start of the pre-league season but I think they might be pushing it um, on that as for the actual football, um, it was pretty usual um, early season fair, both all sides giving um, a lot of um, minutes to the whole squads. and um, but there were some good performances. I was really quite pleased to see how Valrek showed up actually. I know they only they lost one nil to north in the second semi. but they really pushed north, who were at more or less at full strength, very, very hard. And there was a lot to be um, encouraged about there. Played some good football. Glenn Letitia was playing central midfield. And I think that's a, probably a, a good place for him to play these days, um, where he can probably dictate the play a bit more. Um, and, uh, but unfortunately, I've, uh, look, their lack of a goal scorer may well um, hurt them again this season. But all, all things considered, bright start for Vale. Um, North looked pretty handy. Um, Twelve cards shown, which seem to be a bit over the top. But there again, who am I to um, judge a referee? And what, what what constitutes a a yellow card these days? It's uh, I'm just I'm glad I don't play anymore. That's what we say. Um, I think I might have gotten an awful lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I might have spent in, a in lot the of time. <laughs> no, that's right, yeah, yeah um, but it's good the football's back, and we've got the final tomorrow night: Rovers against north that could go either way Rovers have got a very strong squad I was pleased to see um, and it was encouraging to see Rovers field a group of players the other night which was almost entirely homegrown I think probably apart from um, the goalkeeper and the two centre backs Tom Strawbridge and Toby Oliver I believe almost every other player in the squad was had come through the Rovers' um, minis ranks. And that's a brilliant effort when you consider it. Um, which way it will go, I'm not quite sure, to be honest, but um, we shall see.
0: Yeah, lots of football to look forward to. We'll be back on Monday with the uh, first football show of the season um, with you every single Monday uh, over the course of the campaign and, and the first one. Uh, this coming Monday, we'll have a full Prio League preview, so uh, keep an air out for that. Uh, and while we're on the subject of football, um, I think my highlight of the week was going up to St. Martin's uh, to speak to the latest talent to come off the Blanche-Pierre Lane production line. Uh, Sydney Schreimeyer, uh, who's just turned 17, heading off to follow in the footsteps of another four former Saint, Maya Letizia. Uh, she's been offered a place in Brighton Hove Albion's uh, Women's Academy set-up, the Dual Career Academy, as they call it, where she'll train uh, and continue her studies to exactly the same move that Maya made back in 2018. Uh, here's what Sydney had to say about it.
4: I was absolutely over the moon when I got told that I'd been offered a place in the team and now I'm super excited to go over in September and train with the team again. I train around four or five times a week and play games against the other teams such as like Manchester United, Manchester City and Chelsea, and then I still carry on at the college doing my A levels, so it's good to be able to carry on with my education whilst playing football at the same time. Well I play in the midfield, I love running around the pitch and getting stuck into tackles and occasionally joining up in the attack. Started here at year three and I've been playing up with the boys to under 18 levels so it's gonna be a change going to play with the girls, I think. Yeah, I think it's good to play with the boys because they're a lot more physical and like you have to be physical, otherwise you will just be bodied off the ball every single time. I'd like to thank all the coaches that I've had over the years at the club. They've been a great help to me and they've got me to the place I am today. May has been a great inspiration to me playing at the same club as her and she's such a great role model, especially being locally from Guernsey. It's great to see what she's achieving at such a young age. It's always been my dream to play in the WSL and hopefully I can make my debut in the WSL.
0: Another player heading off then from Saints. I also spoke to their under-18 coach, Darren Otisier, Mayer's dad, of course, and someone who's now seen three of his charges head off to the professional game uh, in the last couple of years. Yeah, Darren, um, first of all, just give us your reaction then to
5: to the news that Sydney's got then, that she's going to be off to
0: to Brighton and and potentially following in the footsteps of Mayer.
5: Yeah, no, absolutely fantastic uh, for Sydney. And uh, I know that uh, when she was there on trial that um, that, uh, she... uh, caught up with Maya for a coffee and, and, and stuff like that. Sydney's been um, brilliant, you know, uh, since she's been here uh, since a year three, I think she was, uh, coming through, playing uh, predominantly you know boys football um uh, as maya did uh, and with sydney um just yeah just really really nice person uh good footballer um but also you know helps coaches in our minis and and everything and also uh be a loss in our, in our under 18s as well um just uh, when she goes across to uh the brighton development squad
0: yeah what, what kind of player is she what what um, qualities does she bring to the field
5: yeah with, with sydney um very uh athletic um you know, it's, it's a good part of her game that she can cover the ground um, and, and and with it as well, just um, covers the ground in the right way. Um, she's quite thoughtful about, um, you know, positioning and, and, and parts like that. So, as it, you know, I played her as a centre defensive midfielder. Um, you know it's very tenacious um, you know with, with with some big you know strong physical uh, lads as well as technical of course but you know she 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 didn't take a backward step so that was good to see
0: yeah awesome and and obviously you know it is the same um same journey that, that Mayo has been on brighton seems like a really good club to be getting involved in as a young girl right now
5: yeah no absolutely um you know brighton's a very joined up club um you know from top to bottom you know tony Bloom does you know a, an excellent job there they're just about to open the the high performance um center for women which i think is sort of 25 27 million pounds and stuff like that so investing um you know in the women's game and 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 also for for the young girls obviously in in the area which you know obviously um sydney will be be part of um she's going to go word wording coverage so she'll do exactly the same sort of route as maya did um you know playing in the development league um training three four times A week, and then you know, hopefully she'll go from strength to strength.
0: Yeah, another another player off the St Martin's production line. Um, Yeah, how does that feel? Is it come as a surprise to to find another player so soon?
5: Um, Yes, I mean, you know, obviously I'd sort of watch Sydney, um, you know come through you know I've only coached her for a couple of years it's a bit different from Mayor and Alex who you know I'd coached since they're four or five years old um sort of thing so the, the the journeys were were slightly different but you know I was always sort of looking um you know at Sydney and sort of going oh you know sort of uh, I wonder um where it is and then obviously when she came into the um you know under 16 under 18 environment and we we could all work with her and and, and parts like that I was like yeah she's she's definitely she's definitely got something and um it'd be worth me just sort of um getting in contact with with those at Brighton and just say look um why not have a look at this girl and and stuff like that and for Sydney she's obviously gone across there and done you know amazingly well in 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 a short window it's like two games and on a trial and sometimes you know that's that's not easy to perform under that pressure um you know for so for Sydney you know we're, we're absolutely ecstatic for us as a club Um, but yeah it's uh, another under 18 (laughs) leaving us Darren
0: Atissier there Uh, and I mentioned of course that's that's three players now sort of headed off from Saints uh, either to the professional game or in Sydney's case sort of towards it which is fantastic to see the third of them Alex Scott and uh, Gareth yeah he's had a, a pretty fun start to the season
2: Yeah, I mean, he's selected in the first Bristol City starting 11 of the championship campaign. He played uh, 77 minutes against uh, Blackpool in their opener last weekend. And they were leading when he left the action, unfortunately, for Bristol City um, in front of a pretty full um, Ashton Gate crowd. They'd let in a 93rd minute equaliser. But um, it was great to see um, Alex get a standing ovation when he was taken away, uh, taken off. Um, I thought it's really revealing. I think afterwards, when you if you watch the um, the interview with Nigel Pearson, the Bristol City manager, that he sort of asked this sort of question, sort of basically saying, "Wasn't Alex Scott great for a youngster?" And he sort of looked really b- sort of confused by the question, as if to say well, he's a good player. You know, it was, it was just a very matter of fact, he's a good player and he will be playing basically because he deserves to be playing. So um, I think it'd be really interesting to watch how Alex gets on for the rest of the season now.
0: Yeah, we spoke about him a fair amount last season, of course, as, as sort of his breakthrough campaign, getting into uh, into the first team squad and then and then playing a couple of games. But yeah, he's generating an awful lot of buzz. I mean, the, the, the replies to Bristol City's sort of social media content, you know when, he, when it was announced he was starting uh you know he really is the player now that kind of bristol city fans are, are sort of pinning their hopes on
2: as they're saying he is one of their own even though we <laughs> don't quite believe that considering he's from over here but um yeah they they do seem to he's already a fan's favorite at 17 years old um you you might think that heaps and more pressure on him but he doesn't seem the type to be phased by that at all and um no, it was just—it was really good to see him get in that starting eleven, and I think we'll see him there pretty regularly this season.
0: Yeah, look forward to seeing it. Well, that's it for part one. Uh, coming up next, we'll hear from Guernsey's latest Olympian, Cam Chalmers. Welcome back. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the Guernsey Press Sport podcast, make sure to hit follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a rating or a review and let us know what you think, what you'd like to hear more of, uh, your latest takes on Guernsey sport. You can get in touch uh, via any of our social channels. We're at GSY Press Sport on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Get involved. Uh, Now, it was a Games like no other. How many times have we heard that over the last few weeks? Uh, But the Tokyo Olympics still managed to deliver plenty of iconic moments and one man who was at the heart of it was Guernsey athlete Cameron Chalmers. Uh, The highlight of his games, running the anchor leg for GB in the final of the inaugural mixed 4x400 metre relay. Uh, There was no medal, uh, but what a moment it was for him nonetheless. Uh, Gareth and I caught up with him for a full debrief not long after he got back in the island cam welcome home uh what a couple of weeks you've had uh, out there in tokyo uh how are you feeling right now back here in the island as a full olympian
1: yeah i mean it's really nice to be back home um it's been three months since i've been back on the island um you know and it's in some ways it feels like i've been away forever but yeah, i think you know almost the moment i got back you sort of realized that um you know it's, it's the same old guernsey and um yeah just trying to process the sort of the last couple of weeks out in japan um you know in the olympic games and everything that's Happened this summer, really? Um, you know, I think it still hasn't sunk in, as the you know the cliche goes.
0: Yeah, I bet. Have you got the rings tattooed yet? Is that still the done thing?
1: Uh, I haven't, but I've actually got an appointment this <laughs> afternoon.
0: <laughs> not wasting any time.
1: Yeah. No, no, I've, um, that's definitely the the tattoo I've always dreamt of. Um, I've not been that fussed about anything else ever. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, definitely, you, you got to get the rings if you go. so can,
2: can you reveal where it's going to be? Go
1: yeah, I'm gonna. I, I want them on my forearm. Um, I've <laughs>
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe I won a gold medal, but uh, <laughs> that'll probably talk for itself. But yeah. um, no, I've always I've always wanted them, and I've I've always kind of wanted them there. um I, I'm not sure why. I think just I didn't want it somewhere where no one's ever going to see it. um But you know, also somewhere that yeah, if you, if you're wearing a, a shirt or you, it can be covered up if, if you want it to be. So um yeah, so we'll see we'll see how that goes. That'll be an experience.
0: Good stuff. Yeah, i will probably be more more traumatizing than anything else. I think. Um, Let's start with a look back at what happened on the track Then out there. Um, obviously, it began with that mixed relay, the first time it's been staged at the Olympic Games, and, and you helped GB through to the final. Uh, just talk us through that those couple of days, the heat to the final, what that experience was like.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was the first event. And, you know, obviously, one of the huge things is, it's one thing making it out there, and then you want to keep yourself healthy and actually make it onto the start line and get the opportunity to run and compete. Um, so for me, it was just about keep my body in good condition, you know, and I think since Doha World Championships, where I I wasn't um, in the squad or the strike four for running in the mixed relay, I got to run in the men's, um, you know, I sort of really had my eye on that for Tokyo. And so I was really pleased to, um, you know, get my opportunity there and and get to run first leg in the heats. And, you know, we broke the British record uh, and made it through to the final. And then, yeah, I got my chance on last leg, which I've really been... um, you know eyeing up for quite a few years now um you know so i think that was that was a great thing to get sort of the chance to do both and to run in an olympic final um you know obviously it would have been nice to to get a medal or, or get the bat on a little bit closer to that front pack where I, I, you know if you look at the splits i could definitely have done something but um you know everyone gave it their best and you know 6th is isn't isn't too bad for your first olympics out there so um they had lots of positives to take from it
0: Yeah, you mentioned just sort of getting on the start line. I guess, uh, how how much nerves were there around the camp ahead of things? Because, you know, you you were reading stories about athletes from different sports, different nations, journalists as well, getting sort of pinged and having to isolate. Was that a genuine concern for you?
1: Yeah, definitely. A huge concern. You know, the whole, even from the moment you get selected, um, you know, we had 14 days worth of tests leading up to flying out. And, you know, suddenly it all becomes very real. You're not just hoping you don't test negative so you don't have to sit at home and isolate. You know, it would have cost me, you know, the games and, you know, becoming an Olympian and that opportunity that you've worked for so many years to to do Um, so yeah all of a sudden uh, you're sort of on high alert and really taking all the precautions you can and you know like you say you get pinged um, you you know come into contact with someone else or you could test positive or it could be a false negative and you know Japan don't really want to hear it if there's anything you know you're out we don't want you in the country or running in the games Um, and then of course you've got the chance of still getting injured or being unwell or not being selected or you know just there's so many things that can go wrong um, even once you've got so far um, you know and and for some people that did happen and it was a traumatic you know terrible experience that um, you know that sadly they'll associate the Olympics with forever and you know I'm just so thankful that for me it it went the other way and you know I've come back here um, with great memories and it it all went really well and yeah I'm sort of proud and it's you know it's such a positive thing. How much did
0: it sort of play on your mind were you able to to kind of get into a bit of a zen state and just think you know whatever will be will be I know you're you're quite philosophical about things but when it gets so close to, to the the big moment that you've been working towards I imagine that could change a bit.
1: Yeah, I think it was just, um, like I said, you're a bit sort of hypersensitive about your own body in terms of trying to make the right decisions and and not do anything too different than you have done sort of in the years and the months leading up to it. Um, You know, there's a lot more to lose than there is to gain by the point you're out there. Um, And in terms of testing positive or, you know, coming into close contact with someone, then, yeah, I mean, it's just, you you do everything you can and it's a little bit of luck involved as well, isn't it? You can't... um, you can't spend your whole trip um, sort of as a bag of nerves sort of worrying about what could go wrong. You know, we had a team speech and sort of Christian Malcolm um, said, you know, his sort of words of wisdom were, you know, stop thinking about things that could go wrong and start being excited about what could go right. And, you know, I think that sort of resonated with me and quite a lot of the other athletes. Um, And yeah, just the main thing was to get on that start line and to run and compete and, you know, get to experience that. And, you know, I feel like, that's, you know,
2: that was that was the biggest thing for me. Um, when it comes to the mixed relay camp, um, how much discussion goes into like the order? I mean, like you said, you got to run the first leg on the, the heats and then the, the final leg on the final. How much discussion goes into the, um, the order of running? Because you can opt for different scenarios, can't you? Yeah, um, I, as you saw, I think
1: every single team at the Olympics went for man, woman, woman, man. Um, Poland in the World Championships two years ago uh, front-loaded it and went man, man, woman, woman Um, but no one was brave enough to take a a risk this year Um, which I think it's a shame because I think it would be far more exciting and it's almost part of the fun but it seems to be the done thing and, and no team is, yeah, not this time anyway round, uh, you know, decided to go for that so I think we we pretty much knew as, a, as Team GB that it was going to be that cl- sort of classic order um, we're not massively consulted as of individual athletes as to what leg we're going to run on, you know, you're pretty much told the night before what the team's going to be um, you know, obviously there's interactions with the team staff and coaches and things and you can, you know, put your Put your little word in, you know, I oh, really, oh, really enjoy coming out of the blocks. So. <laughs> <laughs> or, oh, you know, I really hate those blocks. So like, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I had a strong inkling that I was going to be the lead-off man in the heats um, and then potentially... You know, get the opportunity that I did end up um, having to run fourth leg in the final. Um, but I think it's just so important with these relays that you get off to a good start and that you're in the race. Because if you, you know, if you end up 10 meters or 20 meters off the back of the leading packs, these guys, everyone out there at the Olympics, they don't come back to you. They, everyone's such high level that it's, you know, it's not like running it. Um, you know island games or the the bucks university championships and things where you know there's there's a lot more of um, sort of golf in quality and, and sort of people's personal best you know everyone is so sort of finely matched that you, you have to be there or thereabouts um, because you just don't make up three or four seconds once it's gone um, so I, I understand as to why they, you know, they, they did what they did. And I think um, I think we made the right decisions with the squad, really. Um, you know, just you always want more and wish everyone was half a second quicker, but so does every nation. So, you know, that's, that's just how it is.
0: And there were a few sort of technical machinations going on in the background. USA and Dominican Republic uh, disqualified, I think, initially, and then reinstated. Um, and obviously that made a, a massive difference to the final. They finished second and third, I think, respectively. Um, yeah. What, what can you say about that? I mean, uh, clearly you had a big say in whether, you know, you guys were going to be in the mix when it came to the final.
1: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously we saw the results after both heats had been run and, you know, it was a well a pleasant surprise in some ways. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's a tricky one because you don't want to, you, if you want to win a medal, you want to win a medal. You don't want someone else to just sort of lose it and, you know, not even be in with a chance. Um Although, you know, in in years gone by, we've had things go wrong. And, you know, it is as much about performance as it is, you know, making sure you do all the right things. And and they blatantly messed it up, especially USA. And um, I think they're very fortunate to get reinstated. Um, You know, they they put it down to an official told me to stand there, which... um, i've struggled to believe uh, to put it politely um, <laughs> uh, but yeah you know it's it's tricky it comes down to he said she said um and you know it's uh, they, they've obviously made that decision and that's that's the way it went and you know it's all done now um but yeah it's it, it can definitely go either way and it's gone the other way for great britain teams um you know in in the past uh, you know so yeah a little bit frustrating in, in some regards um but yeah it's uh they had a great squad and, you know, in terms of sort of their performance did deserve a medal. So, you know, fair play to them.
0: Yeah, and we'll perhaps come back to, um, you know, GB's performance uh, later on. Just what was it like being a part of that whole athletics uh, experience at the Olympics because there were some phenomenal performances I, I saw the, the photo you posted after Carsten Warholm had uh, probably produced the performance of the games in, in many people's eyes um, breaking his own world record by a ludicrous amount in the 400 hurdles um, yeah what, what was it like watching on there could you believe that?
1: Yeah, it was it's such a great opportunity to obviously get get down there to, in the stadium and watch it with your own eyes and um I'm so so glad that we went down to watch that 400 hurdles final. Um it just it's probably one of the most if not the most impressive thing I've seen with my own eyes um ever. I just really couldn't believe when 45-9 flashed up. You know, I know what it takes to run that just on the flat, let alone with 10 hurdles in your way. Um, So it's just, yeah, just ridiculous. And for Rye Benjamin to come second in 46-1, and not win, you know. Taking half a second off the old world record is just—it almost seems unfair. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> the poor man's face—you could just see. Just had no idea what, you know, what, what else can I do? Um, you could just see it written, written all over him. But um, yeah, w- we were all screaming and shouting as they were coming down the home straight, um, knowing it was going to be a great race. And uh, I definitely—I wanted Carson Home to win. I've raced him a few times in the past over the flat, and you know, I've had a, f- have a few little chats with him here and there. But um, as soon as the the clock flashed up, everyone went silent, and it was. Just just, um, you know, hands on head and in disbelief at how ridiculous that time was. I don't think he could believe it himself, to be honest. But, um, yeah, stunning to get to watch that, see the men's 100 metre final at Olympic Games. And, you know, the 4x4 four four final was ridiculous for the men's when we went down and watched that um, on the last evening. So, yeah, as well as obviously competing myself to get the opportunity to see the absolute highest level, um, you know, in the sport I do. It's, yeah, you have a lot of respect for it
2: and it's, it's amazing to get to the opportunity to see. Did you hear from your brother very quickly after that 400 hurdles final? <laughs> <laughs> Alan must have been sort of, ooh, that's quite quick. <laughs> yeah, he didn't wake up. I, <laughs> for the best. Yeah,
1: I sent him a text when I got into the stadium and I said, are you awake? Um, before the race had been run and he didn't reply. Um, so I try not to send him too much. Yeah, I didn't want to, didn't want to ruin it for when he woke up in the morning and um, was trying to, you know, probably turn the TV on without looking at his phone to, to know the result before he got to see it with his own eyes. Um, so yeah, but he was obviously stunned by it as well. I think everyone was, and if you've yeah definitely if you've got any knowledge of sort of athletics and and 400 hurdles, everyone understands how um, how amazing that performance was. And uh, you know, I I don't know if that will ever be be beaten um, even by the man himself. But you know, it's t- it takes a lot of things to all come together on the right day in the right environment and you know neck and neck with that sort of level of competition but um, yeah it would be fascinating to see what he does in the next few years and, and as to whether I'd like to see him do a 400 flat um, and have a crack at the European record which I think he's apparently doing
2: in the next month or so so I'll keep my eyes out for that. Um, just you were sort of talking about being in the stadium for that sort of thing obviously fans weren't allowed in but of through TV, you could see that there were team members. How many sort of people were in the stadium? And did it create much of an atmosphere?
1: Yeah, I don't know. In terms of numbers, it's tough to gauge, really. Um, it was packed for the men's 100 metre final Um, there was a lot of people down there and I think even when I was running you can hear people you know where the sort of athlete sections were where we were allowed to go down and watch you know there was some atmosphere for sure Uh, I mean obviously nothing on what it it could have been with a full stadium Um, but yeah it was nice that it wasn't it wasn't quiet. It wasn't completely dead. Um, you know, there was definitely an atmosphere, um, and yeah, you can you, know, you could hear the odd sort of scream and shout, sort of individually, you know, for you or or your team. So that was quite nice. Um, um, but yeah, it's just look fortunate to the for the games to have even gone ahead. To be honest, it would obviously everyone would have preferred it to be rammed with sixty thousand people in there. Um, but yeah, you know, you definitely take how you know take take that what we just had over not having games at all and and having the sort of really long wait all the way until Paris because you never know you know obviously you've got a certain number of years where you're in realistic shape uh, to be able to give yourself a chance of qualifying for Olympics and um, you know I really when it got postponed last year I couldn't believe my luck um, because it is like I say a short window and, and that's if that opportunity went, you know, suddenly that's that might be me ever being, yeah, you know, sort of in the mix for an Olympics, just gone. Um, obviously, I've got my eyes on Paris and I'd love to do that, but you never know in sport and life what's going to happen. So um, I definitely sort of had... Um, sort of earmarked that as my one chance to try and yeah. go to a, a game, so I'm so glad that I got the opportunity, and you know I'm back here and I've done that now, so I feel like it's a big weight off my shoulders, and I can, you know, almost run freely now, having almost gone to every major championships and just try and you know focus on what I want to focus on and then almost take a few more risks um, in terms of. Um, you know, doing a bit more speed work and and risking my body a little bit more because, um, you know, I've sort of achieved one of my biggest goals.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And obviously, yeah, given that we've waited five years from the last Olympics, so three years to Paris feels quite short. Feels like it's just around the corner. Um, Yeah, just having this experience, is it... it only sort of fueled that inspiration and that that motivation to, to get there again?
1: Yeah, I mean, you definitely see firsthand what you're up against and what it takes um, and the level of competition that there is out there. Uh, you know, it's... Um, <sighs> Yeah, you can't can't replicate that watching on the TV or just looking at people's times on a website. Um, you know, when you're actually, you know, sprinting down the back straight, you know, a meter or closer to these other athletes who are the best in the world. You, you know, you really get a sense of um, you know how high um, the standard really is, and um, you know, I obviously want to be a part of that. And it does, yeah, like you say, mate, you want to go to as many two of these championships as you possibly can in the short time frame. You know, as an athlete at that level. Um, you, you, you can do so um yeah it's three years it's obviously it's a fully loaded calendar because everything's been pushed back and that was meant to happen last year and it's all been sort of crammed in so next summer it's a world championships a commonwealth games and then a european championships in the space of about six or seven weeks which is absolutely ludicrous um you know it's going to take some serious planning as to realistically what your body can can actually handle and do you know and then you've got to take into consideration traveling and jet lag and you know, it's. Uh, Uh, yeah it's gonna it's gonna need a lot of of planning Um, but exciting you know nonetheless and um, we'll see what happens and then like you say it's it's only three years till Paris um, where you hope it'll be a sort of Back to normality, whatever that is now. I've almost forgotten. I think um, <laughs> you know, with full stadiums and things like that. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I definitely need a bit of time off at the moment. I'm I'm in no rush to get down to an athletics track. Uh, not for the next few weeks. we anyway. are definitely ending, yeah. yeah.
0: And, and you know, over in Tokyo, away from the athletics, obviously it was a, another wildly successful games for Team GB. Um, how much were you able to kind of share in some of those moments? Uh, I guess perhaps not getting to see other sports in person, but uh, did you get to mix with some of the other athletes from other other sports?
1: Well, once you're in the athlete village, we had a whole block to ourselves as Team GB, um, so you you just sort of rub shoulders with all the sports there. Um, but people were only in the the village for a certain amount of time, sort of before and after their event. Um, so in terms of timing, it did it was a bit luck of the draw in that sense. Um, so you didn't see everyone, but. You know, when someone does well, you definitely know about it. And, you know, they, they set it up really nicely, that that block. And um, you can tell it is really one big team. And, you know, it's rare for for me that you're on a multi-sport trip in a sort of multi-sport games. I guess the only thing I can compare to it is Commonwealth Games. Um, I mean, Ireland Games, similarly, sort of just a lower sort of standard, you know, um, but it's quite nice, really. Like my, I remember my first experience of doing the Ireland Games and, you know, I just thought it was the best thing ever. And, uh, you know, that really almost, you know, acted as that big stepping stone towards, wow, you know, if I could go to a Commonwealth Games for Guernsey, that would be something else. And then you have to experience that. And then I guess the Olympics is the pinnacle, um, you know, and, and having done all three now it's yeah, it's just all great experiences in their own right. And I think it all, I'm quite thankful it all happened in the order it did. Um, cause you know, it, m- it makes you appreciate each one, you know, I, I genuinely for in their own time, appreciated the Island games as much as I did the Olympics. This year, um, just because obviously at the time that was the biggest thing I'd ever done. Um, you know, and I, I went there and I got, I, I won a gold medal, and you know, it's that whole team environment and stuff, and it is, is great fun. Um, so it was a really nice thing to be a part of, and yeah, definitely memories that will
2: stay with me for the rest of my life. Yeah, were you actually, so you you weren't actually in Tokyo for the opening ceremony, were you? You were at the training camp, I believe, elsewhere. Is that right? Yeah, we, I, we
1: were in Yokohama in sort of a hotel for like the holding camp before we transferred to the village yeah sort of a week or so later
2: I mean was the opening ceremony something you would generally go to if you had the chance or is, is that something it doesn't really bother you too much in the whole sort of scheme of things I think it, it's a nice thing to sort of have the opportunity to go to um whether I would
1: have gone I don't know um I mean I didn't go to the one in the Gold Coast at the Commonwealth Games when we could have because of the schedule I think I was on the 400 meters in the, the following day or two days later and I just didn't want to be on buses and, and on my feet for hours on end, you know. I think once you get out there, you, you are quite focused at the time on putting yourself in the best position to run as fast as you can and perform the best of your ability. I think once you come back, it you know it's sort of quite easy to think, oh, you know, maybe I should have done that or that would be nice. But I think when you're out there, the reality is that you know it is it, it can also. Sort of take away from your performance, and especially this year, I, in terms of like we said about being pinged or coming into close contact and all the rest of it, it probably wouldn't have been worth it. I doubt it's something I would have done, even if we did. Um, you know get presented the chance um, obviously it was quite a different opening ceremony anyway I think they limited the numbers drastically so um, yeah not to be this time but in Paris if you know, if I do manage to get myself on the team for that then you know who knows um, and the same with the Commonwealth Games next year in Birmingham I and mean, just we'll, we'll see what the sort of the schedule looks like and um, you know what seems to be the sensible decision
0: and I know you've competed in Japan before um, but did you get sense this time obviously with all the restrictions in place and everything uh, you know that been said in the build-up did you get a sense of the kind of local flavour and uh, you know the culture and and and
1: whatnot? Not from actually going into the city and sort of mixing with locals as such. You know, like I said, I was out there for the World Relays in 2019 and, you know, we got to really have a good look around there and, you know, use the local transport and go and see all the sort of touristy things. And, you know, in hindsight now, I'm really glad I got that opportunity um, because I think a lot of people, that was their first time out in Japan, they just didn't get the chance to do that. And as much as all the volunteers and, you know, the games and things like that and in the Athlete Village, you know, even at the Food Hall and things like that, you know, they're, they're so nice, they're so welcoming and, you know, they're always stood there waving and cheering and, you know, happy to help and with a smile on their face and, you know, I think that's probably as close as you in some ways got to, um, you know, getting a bit of that sort of experience and culture sort of of Japan because it's definitely from my experience a few years ago you know like nowhere else I've been really um so yeah it's it's a bit of a shame I think for the people that hadn't ever been there before that we didn't get the full experience of that um but you know like at the end of the day you are there to compete at the Olympic Games and that that was that is by far the most important thing so um you know I'm fortunate that I've had a bit of experience of that in the past and and my games went well and um you know I, I think we still did get some sort of Experience in, in that sense, and um, Japan did a great job, and I think it's probably one of the best countries it could have fallen um, to, sort of given the circumstances, with us, as to how sort of respectful and polite and willing to help their, their sort of their people were when we were out there. Um, so I think it went really well, and it was it was a good suit.
0: Yeah, awesome. And and, and back on the track, um, obviously, um, you yeah, couldn't make it through to that final in the men's four by four hundred meter relay at the end of the week you've described it as a sort of a very much a sort of developmental kind of feel to, to things. Um, do you feel like there is uh, much more to get out of yourself and, you know, as a, as a team or as a sort of a 400 metre kind of kind of unit that GB have got that, that things can really push on in the next couple of years?
1: Yeah, I think it'll be quite a different team and even next year um, and definitely by the time it rolls around to Paris, yeah, you know, even this year there was... Um, a lad, Charlie Dobson, who opened up with forty-five-five, and you know could have gone a uh, definitely gone a lot faster than that, but he got a stress fracture and and was, you know, out for the season. And then Matt Hudson Smith, who had run a similar time, um, you know, had his his issues, and uh, you know, it didn't happen for him. Um, and yeah, you know, there's a couple of young kids um, that that ran really well, almost just past the selection date, and you know, it didn't quite happen for them either. Um, so I think if you if everyone can stay healthy and, and get their bodies right and, you know, sort of perform when it matters at the trials and things like that, then, you know, we we genuinely will have a, a really good relay team, I think. Um, it's just in that stage at the moment where a couple of the sort of you know guys who had been in that team for the last five or six years had retired or really just coming to the end, hanging on, and didn't quite happen for them. Um, you know, and then with injuries and, and all the rest of it. It's uh, you know it, it just shows I think how hard it is to make a team for any major event um, or an Olympics because it, everything has to align. You know, even if you are good enough, you still got to keep yourself healthy and perform when it matters at the trials and you know and things like that. So. Um, Credit to all the guys who were out there as part of our team and obviously everyone gave it their best and we would have wanted more and I'm I'm sure there is definitely going to be more to come in a few years and it would be fascinating to see how that team evolves and, you know, given a sort of normal set of circumstances in the lead up to an Olympics, you know, not having to train in crazy circumstances, you know, through sort of the the pandemic, Um, I think people will um, hopefully push on and and we'll be able to find some faster times, including myself. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens in the next few years.
2: Could there be the chance of seeing you on a local track competitively anytime soon for people who want to go and watch an Olympian run?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely not. um, (laughs) Definitely not like in the next few weeks or not this season. Um, I was, I mean, I was really pleased to get the opportunity to open up my season here in Guernsey and and run 45.9. You know, in May, I think that was really. Yeah, nice opportunity, you know, to for me to get to run down here and I think as well like you say for sort of for people to to come and watch and and see that just because you know it's it's tricky once you sort of get to the higher level in sport you obviously try and get in the high level competition um you know where you're overseas and it's it's warmer and the tracks are faster and you know the, the guys you're racing are all of similar caliber um but you know I think I did a lot of my training in Guernsey the whole lead up to you know the sort of the summer season and yeah to sort of have a race and an opportunity to to do something locally and try and have a crack at that track record was was really nice especially on the new blue track um so it's something i'd like to do i'd almost like to almost do that every year if i if i can Uh, i think it's a good thing um and i really enjoyed it so um yeah probably not this probably not this summer i'm absolutely I'm, i'm absolutely Fra- frazzle uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe
2: we can look forward to the home island games in a couple of years maybe. I'd love to yeah I'd <laughs>
1: absolutely love to um, you know obviously it'll come down to well <laughs> obviously all the all the usual factors as to whether I'm in one piece and, and all the rest of it but really the biggest thing will be whether I'm, I'm really keeping everything crossed that it doesn't clash with a British Champs or a World Championships or whatever it is that year um, you know that I'd obviously have to do um, you know really if, if, if push came to shove but I will try and you know do everything I can to compete at the Island Games in Guernsey. It's, it, I mean, it is a once in a lifetime opportunity for me. Um, I'm fortunate it's even happening um, sort of as my short time as an athlete, uh, especially in sort of the middle of my mid 20s. Um, yeah, it'd, it'd be an amazing thing to be a part of. So, I um, uh, definitely, it's, it's, Right there, it's in my mind, and I'm just keeping my fingers crossed for the dates that they work out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was awesome to see you, yeah, as you say, open up on the track here, and then just a, a couple of months later, be on that that track in Turkey. It was fantastic. And I just finally, I just, you know, clearly, I think there were a lot of people back here um, watching on. I know uh, enjoying, uh, you know, your performances, cheering you on. Did you did you feel the love, even though? You know, perhaps you wouldn't have the usual sort of support that you'd have there in the stands for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just it's crazy. Like, my, yeah, my phone's just <laughs> I can hardly describe it. It's uh, yeah, I'm surprised the thing hasn't broken. <laughs> um, we got given a new phone out there, thankfully. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, the amount of messages and support and um you know just things on social media especially these days with how many different ways you can obviously interact and get in touch with someone um is yeah it's just been um phenomenal and yeah obviously it's it's massively appreciated and i think it's just shown me how how big a deal it is you know you can sort of be quite focused and sort of internalise when you're out there as to you know your own performance and what you're there to do and, and to do a job but it's sort of you realise when, um, you know, you go on your phone, see all the things on social media that everyone's watching. And, you know, it's, it's amazing how many people have taken sort of the time out to actually, you know, watch me run or take an interest and, you know, and, and then to send me a message or, you know, um, share things on on you know twitter and instagram and all the rest of it so it's yeah it's definitely much appreciated and um yeah it just makes me very proud to obviously be from guernsey and i think that's that's where a lot of the support really came from um for me anyway um as much as it is from great britain so yeah it's uh, it's an amazing thing amazing thing to be a part of and and yeah just to experience in, in my life and yeah i'm really grateful for obviously getting that opportunity as much as i've worked hard for it um you know you definitely want to try and soak it all in and and you know really um cherish it because yeah they're rare opportunities if you if they come round if ever so yeah um amazing thing to be a part of
0: yeah well uh, well deserved and uh, yeah thanks for coming in for a chat in your jet lag state <laughs> uh, good luck with the tattoo make, make sure they get the colors in the right order
1: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i know fingers crossed yeah you don't want some wonky ovals <laughs> <or whatever. laughs>
0: oh brilliant take care cam we'll see you again soon thanks, thank you man. cheers Cam Chalmers speaking to, to me and Gareth, and I've, I've seen the evidence now. Cam has the Olympic rings tattooed on his forearm. It uh, went, went for just a, the simple black, no, uh, no sort of colours mixed up in the wrong order or
2: anything. So. He's earned the right to have it now, so um, I'm, I'm very pleased he's, he's got what he wanted there. I know he was slightly worried about how the tattoo would go, but... <laughs> I'm sure he'll be wearing short
0: sleeves or at least rolling his sleeves up uh, for uh, a little while to come. Um... Let's move on. Rob, I know you've been following this week and uh, looking at the situation facing Guernsey Raiders, Guernsey FC and, and I suppose you know any of the um, island teams that will be looking to compete off-island this season. Uh, again, it looked so promising a few months ago. It's still so uncertain, isn't it now?
3: Very much so, unfortunately. Um, Whilst rugby seemed as determined as ever to return to the UK pyramid and playing in National 2, it's not so clear relating to Guernsey FC um, and playing in the pitching in Isthmian League South Central, uh, which starts actually this Saturday without the Green Lions, who have to wait for another month. As I understand, the the Green Lines are now fully um, ramping up their training. They've had really good numbers um, down Victoria Avenue on a regular basis. Everybody's eager to get going. Um, A lot of new faces, a lot of old faces. Um, But in the background, unfortunately, is this issue of um, the travel restrictions into the island, which, um, from what I hear, uh, may well yet scupper the... um, Green Lions hopes of playing in the in the league this season. Um, we'll probably know sooner rather than later. I gather there's a lot of meetings going on behind the scenes, um, and I, I believe Dr. Steve Evans may well be leading the um, discussions on behalf of all sports with the CCA. Um, of course, he's. Um, delay you know, Raiders um, ladies rugby coach so he has a, a feel for what is what is involved in terms of travel with traveling with Ireland teams um, but um, it, it seems that there's slightly two different approaches here whilst the RFU are fully behind um, the Raiders playing in national two again this season and have instructed I believe um, all their teams that, that they have to um, only select players and officials, obviously, who have been double vaccinated for trips to Guernsey. I don't believe that's going to be the case with the FA and the um, Isthmian League officials. Um, And it will be down then to... um, the individual clubs to ensure that those um, individuals um, coming into Guernsey, representing them, um, are double vaccinated. Now, as we've heard from Mark to say relatively recently during a Zoom call meeting of all the Isthmian secretaries, um, it was quite clear that a lot of, across all the clubs, a lot of um, players who are 18 or around that sort of age, who aren't vaccinated at all? There are a lot of players who are refusing to be vaccinated and won't get vaccinated. So, what is going to happen when it comes to actually travelling to Guernsey? Um, I suspect there's going to a lot of them are going to be kicking up a hell of a stink if they've been told that they can't play play their star centre forward, star centre half, midfielder, or whatever, or have to leave several players at home um, for a trip, which which they may not want anyway. Um, so um, we need to bide our time a little bit yet, um, but it doesn't sound too great, to be honest, uh, which is, would be a great shame. Um, in the meantime, we see a lot of the GFC players back playing with the local clubs as well and, and mixing um, You know the two at the moment Um but um, as I say, it, it doesn't look too great. And it'll be a bit galling, I'm sure, for the um, the Guernsey lads um, when, if that is the case, that they do not compete in, in the UK this year, especially when you see Jersey returning. The Jersey Bulls are, are back for a full season. They had their FA extra preliminary round tie at Springfield last week when they thumped Horsham YC, YMCA 10-1. Incredible result. Um, and they are you know, already started their own league campaign. Um, it'd be a great shame if Jersey are going ahead and we aren't. But who's to say what is right and wrong in terms of restrictions? Um I know everybody seems to have different opinions on it. And I know, Tony, <laughs> you are particularly vehement in, 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 this, in, this, in this department. Oh, I, don't and, uh, <laughs> I don't know. And quietly raging.
0: I don't know. I'm only going off my own experience of, of getting off to London for a few days um, uh, you know earlier in the month. And I don't know. It, it, it feels pretty normal aside from you know, what you're greeted with when you get on the plane and um, in terms of, you know, the stewards in kind of full PPE and then, you know, in the, the baggage reclaim in Guernsey. But other than that, I don't know. I, it, things felt felt pretty um, pretty relaxed, pretty normal and and, and actually pretty sensible in, in England. So I don't know. Uh, yeah. It,
3: it seems to me, I mean, um, you look at it, how will the CCA view Guernsey sports teams? Will they view them as... Sports team, important representatives of Guernsey. I'm sure they will all say the right thing and say they are. But in reality, will they treat them just simply as island individuals, exactly the same as you going off to London for a holiday for several days, or Mrs. Le is going to see an aunt in Shropshire, which she hasn't seen for several months? I mean, every there's everybody's got a reason for wanting to get away and then return unhindered. Will they make a special case for sports people? I'm not so sure.
0: Yeah, I'd say the evidence so far during the, well, throughout the pandemic would probably be no. Um, I, I don't know. For me, you know... Th- Teams like Guernsey FC, Guernsey Raiders, the occasions, um, you know, the regular occasions that they sort of put on down at Foots Lane. I think they're a really important part of the community. I agree. I agree, you know, I agree
3: entirely. But I'm not sure if that will come into the argument when they um, they sit down to decide who can come into the island and how they can come into the island.
0: That would be interesting because, I mean, you know, for a lot of people getting off Guernsey, you know, is is, is an important thing and for, for lots of different reasons. Um but yeah, I think I think as well, you know, just cutting ourselves off from those kind of exterior, uh, um, you know, influences, and and just sort of bringing the outside world into Guernsey, I think that's an important thing, and cutting ourselves off from that uh, for much longer. I don't know. I, that, well, that's let's, my hope, let's hope opinion. it all
3: works out, and the, and and the rugby players and the footballers get free reign to do whatever they want. Um, but
0: <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> we shall see. On the rugby front, though, uh, Raiders are getting away for a game this weekend.
3: Yeah, they're playing Westcombe Park. Um, old. Old foes from various leagues in the in the last over the last decade, um, apparently Westcombe Park are on the up again, um, and have got promoted to National Two, which. Raiders have just come out of and apparently they're going to be pretty strong they've signed some players who've played at National 1 level um, Jordan Reynolds is expecting a really tough game a lot of sore bodies on the on, on the return flight on Saturday evening because they're making a, It's an in and out day uh, with two games at Westcombe, which is in Orp- Orpington and um, uh, A lot of these players, whilst they've been sort of ramping up their physical um, work in training and a a lot of sort of, you know, collision stuff, the actual first proper match in 20 months it's going to be a bit of a wake-up call I suspect
2: Well yeah, I don't don't think anything could quite match the physicality of the in-house games they had (laughs) last season when pretty much everyone got injured they were hitting each other harder than any visitors ever came over but um, no, I think Raiders have been absolutely raring to get out on the pitch again for, for, like Rob says for 20 months Um, it's quite funny, I think I've seen Doug Horrocks and Dom Rice on a cricket pitch far more often than I have on a rugby pitch in the last last year or so but um, yeah, it's 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 something that the club just sort of desperately needs to get back and playing, and the players want it, the fans definitely want it. I mean, you the sport hear, needs it. The sport needs it. it. Yeah. But I mean, you you hear of the sort of like the sellouts of sort of corporate hospitality and whatever that they they could do if if and when games return here. It it it's, it just needs to happen, really.
0: Yeah, and of course the league season a little way away, and certainly by way of home games, it's going to be a little way away still, isn't it? Um, assuming everything goes to plan.
3: Yeah, that's right. They're, they're, I think it's the first four, four away, four games are all away. Um, so that's going to be a tough start, to at this highest level. Cause I mean, last time Raiders were at national two, national two level, it really was a step up. You know, it was very, very clear how, how big a gap there was between two and three. Um, but I'm sure raiders are stronger and will, than they were last time they uh, played in this division they've got far more players to pick from they were a bit sh- bit light last time um and let's hope it all goes well
0: yeah fingers crossed um what else is going on this weekend just very briefly before we wrap up
2: well we've got the gca cup final on um saturday which is griffins against Wander- wanderers irregulars and the latter have managed to reach the final um, on the back of two abandonments. I mean, to be fair, they were playing very well uh, against Griffins a couple of weeks ago, and it's probably a game they arguably would have gone on and won. I think they probably would have done. And then um, they managed to get a start against Kobo last week, and they got a couple of early wickets before the rains came. And unsurprisingly, that game was abandoned with the, the field pretty much flooded, I think, by the time lunchtime came around. Um, so it would be interesting how to how it goes. I don't know how strong Wanderers Irregulars are going to be. Um, but if they can um, manage to get their full side out I think they'll, they'll give Griffins a decent game um, Griffins must be considered a favourite so in that game
0: yeah, Good stuff Rob
3: Yeah well, we've got Touch Rugby Finals at Portsmouth Friday evening we have a hill climb on Saturday so if you're thinking of getting into town on Saturday avoid the Val de Tears you won't get through there and on Sunday, we have the Tony Jacqueline Open Golf at St. Pierre Park, um, as well as a Athletics Field Fest at Foots Lane and a Cliff Series um, race, the first race of the series, um, which is an eight eight mile to jerberg and back event. I'll be uh, involved in that.
0: Because uh, there's plenty going on then. Um, yeah, we'll leave it
3: there. Oh, of course, and we've also got the start of the domestic football season competitive on Sunday, where we've got um, three games in what I would still call the Jackson. Officially, it's Lancaster 1. And it'd be interesting to see Rockane Pirates, who have been promoted into that division. They're at home to Velrec on Sunday afternoons, Peter's two o'clock kickoff. they've got a few new signings Rockane Pirates they seem to be really keen to do to push on um, it'd be good to see
0: yeah good stuff uh, well thanks very much guys uh, enjoy the week um, as ever do pick up a paper uh, for the best local sports coverage uh, you can read uh, more I'm sure on all of those stories and everything we've talked about today um, and do follow us on social media as well as I mentioned before at GSY Press Sport is the place to find us thanks very much cheers cheers